Hello, and welcome back to The Indie, the podcast from the newsroom of the Santa Barbara Independent. I'm Molly McEnany, the host of The Indie. Just this past week on September 3rd and 4th, the UCSB Naked Shakes put on Twelfth Night, the Shakespearean comedy down by the lagoon on the UCSB campus. I'm here with Charles Donnellan, the Independent's executive arts editor, as well as the director, Erwin Apple and Cass. So hi, everyone. So happy to have you here. Could you all please introduce yourselves and your character that you played in the show? My name is Haley Turner, and I am a senior in the theater BFA program, and I am playing Olivia Two. And I'm really excited to be here and be talking about this, especially growing up in Santa Barbara um, and being a Santa Barbara native. I've definitely been very accustomed to the independence. So I'm very excited to be a part of this. Hi, my name is Catherine Ballantyne. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm from Washington State in a town called Redmond, which is a little bit outside of Seattle, and I was playing Malvolio. Hi, uh, I'm Kirsten Hoy. My pronouns are she, her. Uh, I'm a junior in the BFA acting program at UCSB. Uh, I'm from Ojai, California, so just a little bit south, but I've been coming up to UCSB and like the area since I was a little kid. Uh, both my parents went to school there, and that's where they met, so... Uh, I'm very happy to finally actually be in person. It feels really good. Hi, I'm Lana Spring. Uh, I'm from Petaluma, California, this little North Bay town, just about an hour north of San Francisco. Um, and I played Iola. And Professor Irwin Apple, you know, I know you have a really succinct way of explaining what Naked Shakes is. And I think the podcast audience ought to hear that. Yes. Well, first of all, I'm I'm professor and chair of the theater and dance department at UCSB. And I also founded Naked Shakes uh, 16 years ago. This is our 16th year of, of doing this. And basically, it came from the idea that I remember when I was in college, and I remember I was working on a production of, ironically, Chekhov's The Seagull, which is a play we're doing this fall, directed by Risa Brainin. And I remember I would go down to uh, Lake Carnegie, which was the, the lake by our college, and I, I was playing Tregorin, and I was way too young for the role. I had no idea what a midlife crisis was or anything like that at the time. You know, and, and I was wrestling with it and just struggling. And I had this epiphany that if I ever teach, and at that point I had no interest in doing that, I just wanted to be a movie star. And it, but I thought if I ever teach, I wanted to create something that is a hybrid of performance and studying the play because I felt when I was in college that, you know, I would go to these classes and I was very immature and I would go to classes in literature or whatever and I was bored and I just, I was an English major because they didn't have a theater major and I was just, I felt like I was just way too immature for this. You know, I couldn't absorb all of this. However, when I worked on a play, and when I sat backstage and when I listened to the lines every single night and when we had to deal with the problems of staging and when we had to deal with the challenges of character, etc., I thought this work of art, these works of art were, were in my bones, in my guts. And then when I would hear a line from them maybe 10 years later, it wouldn't be an intellectual appreciation. It would be a gut level appreciation. All these actors that you're meeting today, they're going to hear their own lines maybe five years from now. 
10 years from now, and they're going to instantly connect in a way that probably is unlike anything else they study at school. And so I thought, you know, why is that? You know, I, I think it has to do with the show must go on. And it has to do with the fact that the goal is we have to do the show. We have to put it up. We want the audience to love it, etc. And so I always wanted to combine those ideas. I also really love actors. I've been an actor my whole life, and I love actors' imaginations. And this provocative title, Naked Shakes, really stands for the actor and the word. And it stands from the principle that you take a great text, a group of actors who are both trained in skill with language and text, and physical creativity and expression, and the audience. And you combine those three things in a bare space, for the most part, and I feel like magic happens. And Naked Shakes is about actor-generated theatricality and what we can do through the power of the actors and the language. And I have had the privilege to work with amazing colleagues such as Christina McCarthy, who is a really important collaborator, because Christina may be trained in dance, but she's also trained in mask work and puppet work and in telling stories in a unique and innovative way. So the combination of how we can combine the attention to language along with this physical wildness. The actors will tell you, we're running all over this place. It's wild, it's crazy. And bringing those two things together. So I think that that's how I would describe it. And, and the other thing, just really quickly, is that what I hope with every single show, this should not be that you come to these plays to take your medicine. This should be that you come to these shows and let's say you're a young person. We have, had a, we have had an arrangement with the Freshman Summer Start Program at UCSB. That means all of these incoming freshmen who are here, and hopefully the Naked Shakes production, Twelfth Night right now, is the first cultural experience they're going to have in college. And that hopefully they then go on to see more theater, see these wonderful actors in the shows they're going to do this year, and then maybe subscribe to their local theaters, like in town, in Santa Barbara, go to the ensemble, go to City College, go to PCPA so that people start really getting theater in their blood and that they come to it and they see a Shakespeare play and they think, huh, I really thought I was going to be bored or I thought I wasn't going to understand this. And what you've seen in these four actors is the way that they use language. You are welcomed into the play. You are not put off by the play. That's our hope. Well, that was very well said and very helpful for me in understanding what the Naked Shakes are about. But I guess now I will go over to the actors and ask them. So I guess I'll start with Lana. What was the most challenging thing about coming back to live performance and an outdoor performance at that? Sure, yeah. Well, we've been acting in our bedrooms for 18 months uh, on a computer screen. So it was terrifying yet really soul-filling to act outside with people, with an audience. It was overwhelming, but in the best way possible. And yeah, there were a lot of uh, new additions. We were just thinking really outside the box. Erwin had this idea of um, like a grand gesture to begin the show or to begin the, the second scene with, with a boat coming in, the crashed ship uh, coming to Illyria. 
And we had two iterations, one with paddles, which was a bit difficult because you just would be stuck in the middle of the laguna during rehearsals, trying to trying to figure that out, me and the other actress. And then finally, I think they decided, all right, this, this isn't going to work. We need a motor. So yeah, we got a motor with Devin, our technical director. Uh, so yeah, running into humors like that, I, I really missed over, over Zoom. You don't really get that as much. I mean, yes, you do, but nothing as outrageous as that. So yeah, I miss that a lot. Yeah, definitely. So I guess now I'd like to ask Catherine playing Malvolio, what are some of the surprises that people can expect from your performance? The reveal when I uh, come in to try and woo Olivia, that is a pretty fun scene, I would say. It's very shocking. Um, Definitely not the traditional way that that scene is usually done. And just in a lot of ways, I'm not the the typical casting for Malvolio and what you usually see is what his type is. And so because of that, the character kind of changes into a very different interpretation from what is normally seen. I think another surprise is also there's a lot of intensity too and, and just it was really lovely to finally be able to be with fellow actors again and like look into the eyes of my scene partner instead of online where we had to like look into the camera. And so it was lovely to like feel people's energy again while we were acting. Now, this show was a bit interesting in that there were two actors playing the same role in many parts. So Kirsten and Haley, you both played Olivia. What was workshopping this character like for both of you when you were watching someone else play it at the same time as you in the same show? I forgot to mention in my intro that I played Olivia one, but yes, that is, that is, we do play the same character. I think it was, it was actually really fun because I played Olivia in act one and I got to sit and enjoy Haley's performance in act two. And a lot of her work, I think informed my own understanding of the character. So that was a really cool experience and not something I'd ever really gotten the opportunity to to do before. We also see a, such an extreme arc with uh, Olivia and her interactions with the character of Viola throughout the play. And so to see that happen was kind of cool. It's like I got to set up the ball and Haley got to hit it. <laughs> So that was that was pretty cool. Uh, Haley, do you have anything to add? Yeah, um, no, I feel I feel the same way. I think that one role with two actors is is really exciting. It's definitely a challenge. I mean, um, you know, usually you're one person the whole time and and being in the second half, I was sitting there for like an hour, like, oh boy, you know, trying to keep the energy up. But it really is. It's it's really fun to see someone else take on the role and then get to kind of jump off um, from there and getting to work with Kirsten and figuring out the arc of Olivia and how to, you know, embrace the comedy of her chasing Viola in such an intense way, but also keeping her humanness and how, you know, she is just a person who is in love. And so it was it was definitely a challenging experience, but it was also really, really exciting. And I think the challenge added so much to Olivia and to the performance. Having seen the play and knowing the, the play, the theme of doubling is so important because at the core, there's this kind of hard to accept idea that Lana, that Viola is a convincing man and yet also a highly seductive man and also a very attractive woman. 
And that's just so many different things going on there. But I think, first of all, the doubling of the actors playing the roles really worked for me, especially in the conclusion when the uh, cast came together after the reveal. There's almost sort of a physical sequence, the very end, where people pair off with the person from the first half, the person from the second half, and they kind of show that they're in the same costume. And it made the whole thing very festive. I thought it, it, it felt celebratory, both because, you know, we're back together and outside, but also because I think that's part of the point of Shakespeare's comedies. They're supposed to be celebratory or festive in some way. Catherine, you could talk a little bit about that role is notorious for being both, well, it, it's, it, it's really mean what they do to Malvolio, the ways in which they, they torture him and drive him crazy. But somehow the person, and I think you did this really effectively, the person playing Malvolio has to make that okay. It's like on Malvolio in some ways to create a character that you still love and, and trust he's going to survive, even though he's being really kind of brutalized. To me, a big part of your success is having excellent physical comedy skills. Was it fun for you? It was so fun. What was really interesting too with the physicality was that I feel like his physicality kind of shifts throughout the play. So in the beginning, I wanted to be a little bit more like a stick up the butt. And then as it like moves on and I discover that, oh, Olivia loves me, I, I get a little bit more freedom. And it's the happiest part of his entire life. It's like this, the, like it's the happiest moment that could ever happen. And so that sort of freedom and almost shedding of the previous Malvolio, I feel like happens. And then when he's being tortured, that kind of franticness and, and intensity, I, I started as a, as a dancer. So I've always been very physical and in, in just how I like to exist in the world. And so it was really nice to kind of approach the character partially through that. It was like in a way comforting to go through the physicality and then have it bleed over into other elements. So I'm going to redirect a little bit because I want to hear from everyone. The boat wasn't the only outdoor specific feature of this production at all. Kirsten, did you have to do a lot of running? <laughs> a lot of people seem to be running around out there. Uh, yeah, I mean... I only ran out of my scene, but I know running was, and just, and just filling the space, I think was something we all took on as a really cool challenge uh, because being in a, in a lagoon is not something I think any of us have ever done before, but it was a fantastic experience. And I think uh, coming off of sitting behind a computer screen for more than a year, uh, it it was really scary, I think, at first, uh, walking into that space and feeling how expansive it was and how small I felt and having to reconcile within myself that I was capable of still filling that space and doing justice to the character for the audience. And I think that's something we all uh, grappled with and overcame to a large extent. And I think the play really benefited for that. I think we all did as well, because I now feel so much more comfortable and prepared in my own body and in my own skills than I would have just going straight back to class in person from sitting on a computer. So in a way, even though it was like really big and scary, it totally shaped, you know, how I'm going to enter the rest of this year. 
as an actor. Yeah, I, like Kirsten said, spending so much time on Zoom, I kind of felt like I never got tired of running. I'd be out of breath on stage, but I just felt like I can, I could do this forever. I could run forever. Um, but yeah, it definitely was a learning curve being in such an open space. It was kind of like, wait, how do I fill this space? But it was exciting because the process, things changed kind of every day. We had to work with what was happening with the weather, you know, having fog suddenly just encompass us on stage and have like do be everywhere was something I hadn't really experienced in the theater. So it was kind of a, it was a really cool process where you were always on your toes. And I think that energy continued into the show. I feel like we all actually really grew as actors because you always just had to be prepared. And there was a lot of improvisation, but in a good way. And I just really got really close with everyone in the cast and you just felt like you could really lean on everyone. Well, thank you so much to the cast of Twelfth Night, The Naked Shakes, and lastly, director and professor Erwin Apple. What would you like to inform listeners about the future performances that The Naked Shakes are going to be having? We are bringing the show back, the exact same show, October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, down by the lagoon. Uh, on, on Friday, October 1st, it will be at 4 o'clock. On Saturday, October 2nd, we will have two shows at noon and at 4 o'clock. And then on Sunday, October 3rd, at 1 p.m. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, oh, I wish I could have seen the show, you can. Please come back and see these wonderful actors again on October 1st to, to 3rd. And as with before, you bring your own blanket, you bring your own beach chair, make sure you have your hat and your sunscreen and water and you stake out your claim on the beautiful lawn there at the UCSB Lagoon. For more information on The Naked Shakes, head to theaterdance.ucsb.edu for more information. On its 47th year, the Mary Jane McCord Planned Parenthood book sale is putting on its annual sale from September 16th to September 26th. Located at the Earl Warren Exposition Hall in Santa Barbara, this 100% volunteer-led sale gives its proceeds to the Planned Parenthood California Central Coast. I'm here with Fran Anatore, the co-chair of the upcoming book sale, and Jenna Tosh, the CEO, to discuss the details of the event. Thank you both so much for being here with me. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us, Molly. So, Fran, can you describe in your own words what this book sale sets out to do every year? We are raising in an ongoing way money to support Planned Parenthood Central Coast, and Jenna will talk about their mission. But we get together a group of committed volunteers, and there's over 100 of us who work year-round in a warehouse in uh, Goleta to process the books that we are given by the community. They donate books to us. We process them. We catalog them. We price them. And yearly, we have this big sale. This year, it will be at Earl Warren. Last year, we didn't get to have one at Earl Warren because of COVID. So, Jenna, how important is this book sale to support the function of the California Central Coast Planned Parenthood? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, Planned Parenthood is a nonprofit organization, and we provide health services, education, um, and we're advocates uh, along the Central Coast. Um, and, you know, a large part of our mission relies on philanthropy. 
Um, and so the book sale is a really critical part of the financial resources that power our mission. Um, in the last 20 years, um, the book sale has raised over $3 million to support Planned Parenthood. Um, and last year they grossed $315,000. So this really is no small part of our fundraising operation. And as you said, it's entirely run by outstanding volunteers like Fran, Tia, and Christina, our book sale co-chairs this year. And it takes about 200 volunteers on an annual basis to keep this operation running. So it's really just something that we're incredibly proud of and really fortunate to benefit from. And we believe, Molly, that a second um, important part of the book sale is to keep awareness of Planned Parenthood and what they do in the mind of the community. Because over the 10-day sale, we will have hundreds and hundreds of people who walk through the door to buy books. And we think that our advertising and our commitment to doing this event each year keeps the Planned Parenthood in the forefront of a lot of people's minds. So in the past week, women's health has been greatly affected by the six-week abortion ban passed by the Texas Supreme Court. Jenna, how is Planned Parenthood in this region hoping to continue to protect women and their health? in light of recent events? Yeah, well, this was really a devastating week um, because that Planned Parenthood, of course, we believe that everyone um, should have the freedom and the power to control their own body, um, their own decisions, uh, and their own lives. And what's happened um, in Texas is that uh, an abortion ban has gone into effect um, and the Supreme Court has failed millions of Texans. Um, this is an unprecedented um, assault on the constitutional rights uh, assured to pregnant people under the Roe v. Wade decision. Um, but, you know, the reality is that for decades, the right to access an abortion has been a battle that has been waged in state legislatures across the country. Um, and we have watched access be eroded. Um, and we've watched that while the Supreme Court grew more ideologically conservative. Um, and so, where we are today, um, is, uh, is a shocking um, and unconstitutional um, escalation of that. Um, but, you know, frankly, this is, this is the road that we have been on. Um, and, and what that means is that this is not the first week uh, that Planned Parenthood California Central Coast has received phone calls from Texans. Um, this, is, this is not the first time um, that California Planned Parenthood affiliates will be serving patients. Um, in fact, Planned Parenthood California um, affiliates serve an average of 7,000 patients from out of the country, or I'm sorry, out of the state um, every year. Uh, and so we are working to do everything that we can um, to ensure that we have appointment availability, that we have folks to answer the phone, um, and that those patients who are impacted by this ban um, and who are traveling to access the healthcare they need uh, are able to find that care um, in places like California and other parts of the country. So going off of that, what are some of the issues at the forefront of the Planned Parenthood of California Central Coast? And how do you hope to use these funds from the book sale in the near future? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, well, we have a new strategic plan this year. We're, we're very excited. Um, and our new strategic plan really makes health equity and advancing health equity our most urgent strategic priority. Um, and really what that means is 
ensuring that we have access to healthcare in the most underserved um, and underrepresented communities, um, that we are doing uh, the work that we need to be doing internally to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and that we're expanding access uh, to the services that our patients um, need most. Um, and so, you know, this year, we were very proud um, to open a new health center in Oxnard, which is a community um, that has needed more access to healthcare and has needed more from Planned Parenthood. Um, and moving forward with an ambitious plan um, to continue expanding access um, and ensuring that there is equity to the services that we provide. So Fran, how can people volunteer or contribute to this book sale? Are you still taking volunteers? Are you still taking donations? What does this process look like in the next week before the sale starts? Well, let me first say that we take donations year-round, and we are located on Thornwood Avenue in Goleta, and out in front of our facility, we have a shed in which people come and they donate books mostly, but we take CDs, DVDs, we also take records, we take puzzles and games, and so for the first time this year, we're going to be taking puzzles and games to sell at Earl Warren. We have over a thousand that have been donated just in the past year. We need volunteers all the time. We will have several hundred slots open during our 10-day sale for people who will manage the sale, who would be cashiers, will be talliers, will be floor volunteers. We also have a subcategory of volunteers that tend to be our strong men. We call them schleppers. And those are the people who move boxes around and bring boxes from the back room to restock tables. There will be 126 tables of books at the book sale with books on top and below the tables. So something of the magnitude of 100,000 volumes. So we will have people work throughout the sale for those 10 days, restocking tables, um, helping customers who come in. And then we work year round at the book sale to bring the books in. We have over 50 categories of books. So the very first step that we take is a rough sort of those books, and they go from donation to category. And then each category owner scans all of those books and the most valuable ones we sell privately or through Amazon. And all of the others get priced and boxed ready to go to the sale at Earl Warren. We'll have something of the magnitude of five to six, 7,000 boxes of books that will be transported to Earl Warren. Well, is there anything else you would like to say, not only about the book sale, but about Planned Parenthood and women's health accessibility in California? I would say of the book sale that we always are looking for volunteers and you can go to the book sale website and there is an application there and you just fill it out and someone contacts you and we get you involved in the book sale. And Jenna, I will defer to you to talk about the other part of that. Well, I want to say a couple of things. One is just thank you to Fran, Kia, uh, Christina, all of our amazing book sale volunteers. As you heard, it's really an extraordinary operation um, that they bring to our community every year. Um, and we really are so grateful. And I also just want to share that, you know, as a result of folks um, like our book sale volunteers, Planned Parenthood California Central Coast, sees over 31,000 patients 
every year at our six health centers in our three counties, Santa Barbara, Ventura, and San Luis Obispo counties, through over 55,000 health center visits every year. And we are proud to provide services like breast and cervical cancer screenings, birth control, gender-affirming hormone care, well-person care, sexually transmitted infection testing and treatment, and abortion care. And Planned Parenthood is is here for you, is here for your community. And we are so, so grateful that the community is here for us too. So thank you. And Molly, I would say one more piece, and that is during the year of COVID, when we were unable to get into an enclosed area, we had to be very creative. Jenna mentioned the fact that we uh, netted over $300,000 last year, and that's without a large sale. So we conducted small sales, we sold bags of books, we had dealer sales, uh, we had parking lot sales. So we're gonna continue to come up with creative ways to earn money so that we can support the mission of Planned Parenthood. Well, thank you so much, Fran and Jenna, both of you for speaking with me about this. You are doing amazing work for the people in California, women in California who need your help, and even women out of state. It's incredible that this regional Planned Parenthood is doing so much to help people from all over the country. Head to ppccbooksale.com for more information and be sure to read the full story online at www.independent.com. Thank you, both of you, so much for taking the time to speak with me. Thanks, Molly. Thank you for having me, Molly. Once again, I'm Molly McEnany, host of The Indie. Tune in next week for another episode.